Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Sin is very attractive. Stolen water is very sweet. I mean, if if it wasn't, there would be no temptation, right? And I think we as pastors do err greatly when we don't represent the attractiveness of sin. We're told that sin is pleasurable. Oh, it's very pleasurable. But the problem is, it's only for a season. And as we're going to see in the Proverbs as well, it, it leads to a bitter end. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. Sometimes it feels like Christianity compels us to stay away from the fun stuff. Pastor J.D. reminds us today that even though sin is attractive, it's also fleeting. You may find some satisfaction in it, but it won't last. Don't get caught up in seasons and emotions. Concentrate on God who's promised greater joys and rewards. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the Inspired in Truth podcast or download the Inspired in Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor JD in Proverbs chapter 9 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. You and the Apostle Paul in what we affectionately refer to as the pastoral epistles, where he gets very specific about the qualifications of an elder, and certainly the qualifications of a pastor. And you've got sort of this grocery list. They need to be, you know, these things. And one of the things on that list is able to teach. And it's unfortunate because it's really a poor translation from the original, because when it's translated that the qualifications are that one be able to teach, what that's really saying is that they are teachable, teachable. Able to teach, teachable. They have to be teachable. One can never hope to obtain wisdom absent the willingness to be taught wisdom. And as we've seen heretofore, and as we'll continue to see throughout this book of Proverbs, being teachable comes vis-a-vis being humble. There's no way, in fact we're going to see this come up again, where the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. The beginning of wisdom. And we're also going to see this come up again and again. Uh, With humility comes wisdom. Did you catch that? Kind of getting ahead of myself. I can't wait till we get to those Proverbs. But If humility brings wisdom, then wouldn't it stand a reason that the antithesis is also true? So humility brings wisdom, pride brings folly. Right? So I need wisdom. The prerequisite is humility. I need wisdom. The prerequisite is I need to be teachable. I need to respond to the cry 
of wisdom personified. Wisdom is crying out, am I listening? Am I hearing? Am I heeding? Just because I hear it doesn't mean I'll heed it. In other words, <laughs> and I know I've shared this before, it's really a dorky, silly way to illustrate a point, but have you ever wondered why it is that we have eyelids, but we don't have ear lids? Isn't it interesting that we can hear, but not really hear? I mean, we, we can hear, but I mean, we're hearing, but we're not really, I mean, we're kind of tuning it out, blowing it off, shining it on, if you prefer. Let's start chapter 9, verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. This is interesting. We know this to be true about the number seven. It's the number of completion. There are seven notes on the musical scale, seven colors in the rainbow. There's seven days that completes the week. The number eight actually is uh, seen as the number of new beginnings, the number eight. And it's, you'll, you'll see uh, these numbers, the significance of these numbers throughout Scripture. But interesting, seven pillars, seven, the number of completion. When you get into James, I think it's uh, chapter 3, and James contrasts the wisdom that comes from above with the wisdom that comes from below, that's earthly wisdom, that doesn't come from God. It's not the wisdom of God, and he kind of gives you this, almost like this template, this grid this gauge by which to measure whether the wisdom is from God or not. Well, when he lists the wisdom that is from above, he says it's first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, then easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without hypocrisy or partiality. He lists seven pillars, if you will, of God's wisdom, the wisdom that comes from above. It's complete. Verse 2, she has slaughtered her meat, she has mixed her wine, she has also furnished her table. She has sent out her maidens, and here it is again. She cries out from the highest places of the city. And we're told in verse 4 what she's crying out. <laughs> Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness, and live, and go in the way of understanding. Verse 7 is interesting. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself, and he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not, verse 8, correct a scoffer lest he hates you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Boy, isn't that the truth. Give instruction, verse 9, to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. 
Here it is, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me, wisdom, your days will be multiplied and years of life will be added to you. Now, don't imagine that this just applies to a long life. The idea here is that it will be a fulfilled life, a blessed life. Verse 12, if you are wise, keyword if, <laughs> you are wise for yourself. In other words, if you are wise, it's for your own good. You're doing it for yourself. Question, do you love yourself? Yes, you do. I, I always get a kick out of when someone says, you know, I, I can't love my neighbors. I love myself because I need to love myself first. Okay, give me a break. You love you so much. You think about yourself more than you think about anybody else. You already love yourself. It, it really should be better understood, even better translated when Jesus says that as love your neighbor as you already love yourself. In other words, it's a foregone conclusion, a presupposition if you prefer. You love yourself, now love them as much as you love yourself. You know, it's kind of interesting because one would think that because they want what's best for themselves, that they would seek what's best for themselves, and what they should seek that's best for themselves is wisdom. In other words, if you really loved yourself, you would seek to be wise. You would seek to obtain wisdom. Now, there's a bit of a contrast here. We'll talk more about contrast in a moment. But if you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you will bear it alone. It's on you. Verse 13. This is kind of descriptive. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing. For she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest places of the city to call to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Oh, wait a minute. So I've got two voices crying out loudly, trying to get my attention. I've got wisdom over here on this side. I've got folly over here on this side. And they're both clamoring for my attention. That's interesting. So what is folly, this foolish woman, folly personified, saying and crying out, verse 16, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, he... You'll forgive me for the over-dramatization here, but stolen water is sweet. 
and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he, speaking of the one who's listening to folly, does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. Boy, that's strong. It needs to be. It's a sanctified strength here in God's Word with the clarion call of wisdom basically saying, this is a matter of life and death. This is a matter of heaven and hell. Which one are you going to listen to? Which path are you going to take? Which way are you going to go? The jury is out. And the jury is out because the onus is on us. The decision is ours. God has given us free will. God will never force us to obey Him. He just cannot. That's not who God is. So, all He can do is cry aloud with wisdom, saying, this is the way. And hope that we will listen to the voice of wisdom and her cry, and not the voice of folly and her cry. So here, wisdom's crying out, and she extends to us her invitation. But here's the problem. If wisdom has a voice, and wisdom does, then so too does foolishness have a voice as well. And oftentimes it's the voice of foolishness that we listen to. You know, one of the things that I'm learning, especially as a pastor and teacher of God's Word, is that I need to be and represent the attraction of sin correctly. I'll explain what I mean by that. Sin is very attractive. Stolen water is very sweet. I mean, if, if it wasn't, there would be no temptation, right? And I think we as pastors do err greatly when we don't represent the attractiveness of sin. We're told that sin is pleasurable. Oh, it's very pleasurable. But the problem is, it's only for a season. And as we're going to see in the Proverbs as well, it, it leads to a bitter end. A bitter end. Well, we're going to turn a corner now, starting with Proverbs chapter 10. And really, this is what the book of Proverbs is mostly known for, namely that of these pithy nuggets of wisdom that come by way of this contrast, which is just the brilliance of God's wisdom. Because we're, we're entering now into what I call the contrasting Proverbs. 
It's this contrast between the righteous who live wisely and the wicked who live foolishly. To me, one of the best ways to learn the ways of righteousness is to paint a stark contrast on the canvas of wickedness. And it goes both ways, by the way. Conversely, to avoid wickedness, then I need to have the contrast with righteousness. The brighter that diamond is, the blacker the contrast will be. And this is what the Proverbs are going to teach us by way of the contrast. I mean it's stark. This stark contrast between the ways of the wise and the ways of the foolish. Verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son makes a glad father, but, there'll be a lot of buts in the contrasting Proverbs, (laughs) but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. I think that's kind of interesting because it's more the mother who grieves emotionally, Uh, the father who is proud of his son, when his son makes him glad. But for the mother, a foolish son brings heartbreak and grief. Verse 2, treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away the desire of the wicked. He, verse 4, who has a slack hand becomes poor. But, here's the contrast, the hand of the diligent makes rich. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's going to come up again and again. And by way of a contrast, we see that it's the hard worker. All hard work leads to profit. Mere talk only to poverty, the Proverbs say. The foolishness of laziness. If you're lazy, you're going to live in poverty. If you're a hard worker and diligent, you're going to be blessed richly. Verse 5, he who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. I grew up in a small farm town, Tico, Washington. And every year when it came time for harvest, everything stopped. Because it was critical that the crops were brought in. Because if you didn't get those crops in, you'd lose them. That's why when Jesus talks about the fields being white and ripe for harvest, the wheat, you knew it was ready to be harvested when the heads of that wheat were white. And there was only a small window of time, and it was critical. If you didn't get those crops in, you lose the crops, because the weather's coming. And I'll tell you, I I knew a farmer, in fact, (laughs) Well, I knew more than one. 
it was so critical. They would work from sun up to sundown. And then when the sun went down, they couldn't work. You know what they did? They go in their truck and they sleep in their truck in the field. And then as soon as that sun came up, they were, oh sorry. <laughs> Woke a couple of you up. Welcome back. Good to see you. Sorry about that. As soon as the sun came up, they went right back to work. Diligent hands makes rich. Contrast them with the other farmers. I had the occasion to know other farmers who weren't like that, diligent like that, hardworking like that. And, you know, interesting. Their crops, not as profitable. Their riches, not as great. Verse 6, blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. I always think about verse 7 whenever I do a memorial service. The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. (laughs) Sorry for saying it like that, but it's true. They were rotten. How do you want to be remembered? Should your death precede the rapture, and all of your friends, family, and loved ones are gathered together at your memorial service, how do you want to be remembered? Do you want to be remembered for being a righteous man, a righteous woman, a godly man, a godly woman. Verse 8, the wise in heart will receive commands. Again, that's being teachable. That's a heart, a supple heart that is willing to receive. But (laughs) a prating fool will fall. Verse 9, He who walks with integrity, walks securely. Don't miss the importance of what we just read here in verse 9. When you're walking in integrity, you're living a life of integrity, honesty, purity, you're secure. Let's flip it around. When you're not, you're on shaky ground. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Our time with you is coming to an end today, but that doesn't mean you have to stop learning from God's Word. We encourage you to read the Bible yourself. You can start in Proverbs, where Pastor J.D. left off, or turn to another book. Each one holds information, encouragement, and instruction that will be beneficial to you. Are you part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to encourage you to make that a top priority. A church family can be a source of support and comfort, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can serve and encourage others too, and where you can be challenged to dive deeper into your relationship with Christ. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. 
Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates. We also have some helpful resources, too. You'll find Pastor J.D.'s ABCs of Salvation there, a great way to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. That's all available at our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time for more from Proverbs, right here on In Spirit and Truth. Call me, me true, true.